Welcome to the Arate Podcast, the podcast created to help senior executives and the organizations they lead live up to their full potential. Join us for cutting-edge interviews with leading senior executive and board members across all industry sectors and for practical tips to accelerate your executive career. And now, here's your host, Richard Triggs. Well, Sandra, it's fantastic to have you along uh, to the Arache podcast, having uh, met you through my Champions Forum program and gotten to know you and all of the exciting things that you're doing in your career, I thought you'd be a fantastic uh, guest to have on because um, you're doing some fantastic things in not only commerce, but also in uh, uh, social capital. And so we are very excited to share your story with our listeners. Perhaps just to begin with, can you tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing professionally? Well, Richard, thank you for having me on the show. Um, what I'm currently doing is that I'm the uh, CEO and founder of Elect. Um, Elect is a digital marketplace that connects small businesses with corporate buyers and every transaction um, has a social impact so that you're doing basically the focus is doing good business. And so was the, the motivation to start this business because you wanted to create a vehicle for the social element or was it the fact that you you've got a great commercial idea and you thought it would be nice to tie this in with uh you know a good cause um so which came first the chicken or the egg <laughs> actually i wanted i wanted both i wanted to uh after i've sold my business i wanted to create a new business that had a positive social impact mm -hmm. i didn't want it to be a charity or consultancy and I wanted it to be um, a technology platform that could scale quite quickly uh, to a global level. And it wasn't easy, to be honest, Richard, to, to, to work on this. I spent quite a bit of time nurturing the business model, but I actually believe that every business should have a positive impact. It doesn't have to be the way that I'm doing it. We're sitting this many ways uh, out of it, but I think you can make a profit and, and create social impacts at the okay. same time. And so uh, tell us specifically about the social impact uh, element of the business. So in, in ELECT particularly, um, it's aligned with the UN Sustainable Development Goals, um, particularly number five, which is gender equality. Mm -hmm. So we're actually making sure that the projects that the uh, part of the proceeds that funds are aligned with gender equality. And so is that being done by funding a specific not-for-profit in that space or are you funding the projects directly? So I'm doing it by, uh, which you might be also familiar with, Richard, uh, via B1G1 yep. at the moment. Yep. So I like the way that they have a rigorous process to verify the projects and all the projects are aligned with um, at least one of the UN SDG SD goal mm -hmm. um, and and so there are also the transparency in creating an impact so that let's say you and I do a trade on the platform you will clearly see that the tra the, the transaction part of the transaction fund the value of that funds specifically um, to the projects and what they are and and specifically what the contribution equates to Okay, great. Uh, it's interesting because uh, the founder of B1G1, I'm actually going to a two-day conference with him uh, in about two weeks' time. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, I'll, I'll 
I'll tell you some detail about that offline. Uh, sure. my, one of my business coaches, uh, the founder of B1G1, works uh, with my business coach, David Dugan. And so, uh, ah, uh, yes. yeah, so I'm, I'm getting to hang out with the, the B1G1 fellow myself for a couple of Paul, days. Yeah, Paul, Paul Dunn. Yeah. Amazing. And, right. And so, um, okay, so that's the, the, you know, the social element, but, but tell us about what is, um, what's the platform all about? What's the, what's the commercial business? So, so the problem, I'll, I'll just say the problem I want to solve because I feel, you know, it's not about just creating profitability for a business. Um, the business is around giving a solution to people who really need it. The small businesses, you know, as we all know, you and I have been part of that. Um, small businesses actually categorize as any company that has less than 19 employees mm-hmm. and is actually the backbone of a lot of um, economies, especially in Australia. And um, accessing corporate buyers have not been an easy thing for a lot of small businesses. And it can be lucrative um, it, it, when they do. And corporates also wants to access small businesses. There is actually a big demand for supplier diversity and it's not easy to find them. Um, the feedback that I've gotten from them is that when they do need to find a supplier, it's always through referrals. Um, little, uh, quite a bit of it is to do with Google searching but, and, and finding out specific um, not-for-profit groups that has a directory of various businesses. So to solve this problem, Electors Bay is is basically um, the database for small businesses. At the moment, it is small um, in numbers in terms of the number of suppliers, but the aim is to have all the small businesses on the platform. And not only are they categorized by the products and services of their offering, but they're also categorized between like um, in terms of what type of business they are, whether it's women-owned, indigenous-owned, micro-businesses, um, regional businesses, Australian businesses, you know, if, like if, if people are looking to buy Australia, family businesses. So really wanted to categorize the variety of the different background of businesses on the platform. So if anyone not only want to, the corporate buyers or government buyers not only want to support or find a relevant supplier for their needs, but also know that they're accessing uh, one of the you know, many different groups of small businesses. Mm, okay, so you believe that uh, for the corporate buyer, the type of business is as relevant as what they sell. Um, yes, yeah, so there is a, there's research already shown that for corporates having um, maybe I'll take a step back. COVID has highlighted something: putting all your eggs in few baskets in terms of suppliers, and also. Um, pushing it out to just overseas suppliers have have created a big risk for them, mm-hmm. and so the the research also shows that having supplier diversity um, does not jeopardize the profitability of the business. In fact, it actually brings in efficiencies and productivity, mm-hmm. which which is contrary to a lot of the common knowledge from what organization would believe. So to answer your question, yes, they are looking for that and that research have proven, um, and not just one set of research, there's quite a few um, that have have proven that having supply diversity in your supply chain actually um, generates efficiencies and profitability for your business. Okay, and so you're attracting the uh, small business owner or 
yep. uh, the small business to uh, essentially represent their services and 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 goods on um, the elect site, and yep. then how and then how are you attracting in the corporate buyer? Um, well, at the moment, I'm actually talking to them individually, but saying that, I'm, I'm also um, being approached by corporate buyers. They are uh, being introduced. I'm becoming the place to find, um, to, sub- to help them with supply diversity. Um, and I'm talking to them um, individually um, in terms of company by company because mm-hmm. I had to, I think what I wanted to do, and this is what I found, is really understanding their problem. Mm-hmm. Um, while I could broadcast, hey, we're a platform for supply diversity, um, corporates have a lot of, um, um, it's just challenging time. There's so much going on. Um, I just want to position myself as a solution when they're ready to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm getting, um, you know, I guess getting that uh, approach from them, um, especially it's been great when they want something, when they want to find the supply diversity, they know that how challenging it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they, they see me as a solution to their problem. Okay, great. So um, if the small business is 19 employees or less, yeah. uh, when you say corporate, are you targeting, you know, the absolute, you know, the Telstra's and the Rio Tinto's of the world? Um, or is it uh, more, you know, medium-sized enterprise? Or what do you describe as corporate? So, well, so far, the, the buyers that I've got who are talking to me um, range from uh, medium-sized to global um, big corporates. And, and the, the corporates, especially, like to say, the, the, the ones that I'm talking about who uh, are Goliaths, I guess, in the marketplace, I am dealing with a corporate buyer from one particular department that's handling Australia and New Zealand. But saying that, recent requests that they've asked me, they said, we're looking for a particular supplier that can do this, but is actually servicing the US market. Mm-hmm. Um, so the variety, like the, the corporate buyers, uh, just just as quite a bit of a range. And the market size can be, um, we have a medium size that have 120 employees and they're regional. Um, and so um, they're, they're not considered small but they do need suppliers to, to service, you know, the, the, the various needs that they have. And then I have, like I said, uh, a head of one, um, um, one department looking at global markets, but uh, from the Australian New Zealand office. Okay. And then the idea, I suppose, is that as transactions happen, uh, elect will clip the ticket uh, yep. and a proportion of the profitability of that will then be, uh, reinvested into B1, G1 projects. That's right. And I'm actually quite transparent how the ticket works. So 10% is a transaction fee and 1%, not, not 1% of the transaction, sorry, not 1% of the transaction fee, 1% of the whole transaction. So we lose, so we keep nine, um, yeah. part of it, bank keeps some of that nine. Sure. I just wanted to point out. <laughs> and, um, but the 1% um, of that, uh, of, of the transactional value will fund go to B1G1. Great. And the fee, the 10% fee is paid by the supplier or the purchaser or shared between them? No, it's actually uh, completely paid by the supplier. Right. Uh, the supplier is quite happy to pay for the fee for accessing, I guess, new sales. And, um, and this service is actually being offered for free to corporate buyers 
um, as um, as um, to try and attract them to buy more. So making it attractive for the buyers to use a like platform to access the suppliers. Okay, and and what would be some examples of the kind of suppliers that are on elect already? We have quite an um, interesting range and we do, so the suppliers do need to be in the B2B side of uh, the market mm-hmm. um, that they can provide, uh, they equipped and can provide products to, to corporate. Um, so we have a range of consultants. It can be, uh, there's a various variety of consultants that are on there. We also have um, electronics wholesale mm-hmm. um, who sources various products um, for the really large companies and they actually wanted to be on the platform with elect because um, instead of um, waiting to be paid in 60 or 90 days the, the the value of the transaction can be paid by credit card by the corporate and that's another feature for that is appealing um, in elect for the suppliers and, and that they get paid up front. So because we have consultants, we have specific products um, that get sold. We even have um, somebody who are offering, actually a couple of them who offer paintings and prints that can be hung out in the corporate offices that are good enough for that. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a recruitment company that I could think of that aren't there. So I'm you hoping will that have, we can sort that out. It's interesting as you're talking, uh, I'm just writing down, uh, I've already thought of three people to introduce you to. So, uh, <laughs> all right, well, let's, um, let's, uh, let's come back to that uh, because obviously, you know, this is a relatively new endeavour for you, um, but I'm really yep. interested in learning about, you know, Sandra's evolution uh, as a business <laughs> person and as a, uh, you know, a, a fellow um, world traveller uh, as to how all things ended up here. So tell us a little bit about where you were born and, you know, mum and dad, brothers and sisters, and let's just wow. take the conversation from there. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so I was actually born in Hong Kong. Um, I know this is a podcast, so you can't see me, but you'll see my profile photo that I don't look Chinese. Um, and that's because my parents are from India. Uh, they, they moved to Hong Kong, got married there um, and had kids there. And one of my first languages I've learned aside from English is Cantonese. Mm-hmm. Um, never really learned the lingo of my heritage or the, or too much of the culture. I've been exposed to the culture, but um not really immersed in it because um, living in Hong Kong. But then at a young age, my dad got a job in Canberra. um, And so we all immigrated to Canberra, which was a bit of a shock to our system from a 24 by seven vibrant city to a sleepy town back then in the, you know, in the mid eighties, actually, (laughs) uh, where, you know, Saturday shops are closed uh, at midday and uh, there's no Sunday trading. And um, And it's freezing. (laughs) Freezing in winter, and in summer, yes. there's 10 gazillion flies. Yes, I remember the flies. That's uh, right, as a kid. And I got my first sunburn um, in right. Canberra in the okay. summertime, not knowing you need to put sunscreen on. Um, yeah, so, so um, it, was, it was great, though. I think I had a um, fantastic childhood, um, like growing up in Canberra. What gave your me- dad there? What kind of work? Restaurant business, actually. Okay. So he's um, um, very good at res- being a restaurateur in Hong Kong. And so he got poached to manage right. four restaurants in Canberra. Um, feed all those politicians on their living away from that's home. That's right. Houses. 
That's right. Yeah, I think, and also those were the days where FBT wasn't in existence then. No. So yes, yeah, certainly lunches were. I'm showing my age, aren't I? Certainly lunches were um, were a very um, important thing. Um, well, I don't get asked this very often, so I have to think back. So after that, I guess uh, I had exposure um, to entrepreneurship is what my dad was doing but also my mum had her own beauty sort of like salon that she did and um she had me do from the age of 10 help me to do the books and the numbers and and um marketing and she was selling products and things like that um but I saw how hard they work and I actually didn't want to be an entrepreneur at all Mm -hmm. I wanted to have a job um but also growing Canberra I didn't want to be a public servant so once I finished uni, I moved up to Sydney and I was very lucky um, that I got this role in an international publishing company um, and, all, and I studied as a business in a, in a business degree in Canberra, um, but they put me in an accounting role and, mm-hmm. and implementing accounting systems that they had there. Um, and, and, and surprisingly, I was only just 21, but it was really lovely that they saw my potentials and they promoted me to be the financial controller of an international publishing company, a multi-million dollar that I had no accounting qualifications. I just had a real knack for numbers. And I think Mm -hmm. that probably stemmed from managing my mother's business. Um, And so then they also put me to course because I couldn't sign the audit statements um, as I was the most senior at the time, senior uh, finance role, well, manager at the time. And uh, so I did an accounting master's um, while doing that job. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I enjoyed my time being an accountant. If I fast forward to um, where I got a chance to work in London for three years, um, they sent me to US. I've got sent to Singapore, um, setting up um, after merging of, of companies and doing some really exciting time stuff in my, in my 20s. Um, and, and early 30s, if I probably could, if I could share this, um, I didn't want to do it for another 30 odd years. So I wanted to try something else. And may, because I've worked in media and IT industry, I just thought I'll, I really want to get into sales and marketing mm-hmm. and um, bought a franchise into that. Um, and the reason I did that, why, why so I should, whether I should mention this is because at that time I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have a boyfriend. Um, I thought, well, you know, it's a big risk going into business. I saw what happened to my parents and, um, I thought, well, whatever I got to lose, I'll give it two years and mm-hmm. I can always come back to work. And I managed to work, I guess, obviously in fairly senior roles. So I thought I, I'm pl- pretty employable at the time. Um, and I loved it, met my husband, um, went back to work eventually because being a solo consultant is actually quite hard work where you have to find business, do the work, um, chase invoices to be paid. You don't have an IT department or finance department to do any of that stuff. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was quite an exposure to it and um, um, was fortunate to, I guess, getting married that I just wanted to have work and, and be able to just have a regular income. Mm-hmm. But that whole entrepreneurship didn't really leave my mind. But instead of going straight back to corporates, so I was working for the likes before Telstra, News, that sort of stuff. I went to um, technology businesses that needed to raise capital. So I was exposed very much 
to that. Mm-hmm. Um, had an opportunity to also work for a company where it set me off on a road trip around the world, even in Silicon Valley. And back in 2012, I saw um, what was happening in Silicon Valley with social media. And, um, and then I was given an opportunity to start my own business with my first customer in social media marketing. Mm-hmm. So I became from a finance person in senior roles in operations and also CEO to being the CEO of your own company. And again, it is so different, the challenges that you have and what you do. And by then I've also done an MBA. So with three degrees behind me, two of them business, one accounting, you would think I'm really, really equipped to handle running your own business and, and know everything, but I can tell you, I actually know nothing. (laughs) It feels like, it feels like um, the best experience I got was actually doing it and being Mm. there despite with all that experience. um, I loved working with young people. It is different. The millennials, especially in social media, I've learned so much of um, being young at heart and being open to ideas and embracing the technology movement um, hence here, I know you can't see this wearing a t-shirt, um, and I call myself still a middle-aged woman, but it's just, it's just really been a, a fantastic journey. Um, it has a lot of low points, um, of just, um, just this whole entrepreneurial side. It gave and, me the flexibility to, sorry. And so Sandra, what was that actual business then? Uh, you were oh, yeah. yeah, it was a digital marketing agency. So I started a digital marketing agency, um, called Curate B, yeah. and um, and then back in 2018, I had an opportunity to have it acquired by mm-hmm. um, and expanded, by the way, uh, clients globally. And it was very much aimed of doing marketing solutions for small marketing budget, which takes quite a lot of. It's challenging, but there are ways, and it's all about learning how to work with the algorithm of all the. Um, social media um, mm-hmm. technology and hack into it and, and produce the best results for mm-hmm. the client. Yeah. So um, as you say, you're building, uh, you know, brick by brick, the foundations of, you know, it sounds like the perfect entrepreneur finance, <laughs> you know, large corporate experience, small to medium enterprise experience, digital marketing experience, employing millennials experience and, uh, and so yet it's interesting that you say, but I knew nothing, right? <laughs> uh, so it, is that because you by nature are, you know, a bit hard on yourself or, or oh. are you, is that a realistic sort of uh, evaluation of where you were at? <laughs> I know I do. I do. Um, I do. I am hard on myself. Um, so yes, I do have like a lot of that background. I say that, I mean, in terms of, I know nothing, not so much. I really didn't know anything but it was a case of rather than having a very fixed mind and not learning, I took an approach to have an open mind and keep learning. Right. So, so, so that you was actually more... see that as a positive attribute. Yeah. 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 And I think, I can't remember which famous philosopher it was. Somebody, <laughs> somebody with a beard, probably almost as <laughs> That looks like you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, the more I learn or the more I realise what I don't know. Right. And uh, and so for you, a statement like that is more to remind you to be open to new ideas rather than, oh, my God, I don't know anything. I'm such an idiot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely wasn't referring to that, but more about um, learning from and being more open mind. It's quite easy, especially as you um, age and being quite experienced 
to feel that, oh, I don't need to learn, I don't need to know about this, when an opportunity present, make any kind of assumptions on the situation mm. and and then and and just not not look into it, not learn about it, not be open to it. I actually have a philosophy that I will have a conversation with anybody who wants to have a conversation with me. Mm. Um, and, and I'm okay. Realistically, I don't answer every single message on LinkedIn, but who wants to have a conversation with me, but it's more, more like, um, you know, on a personal level where this person say, I want you to talk to you about this potential thing. And, and I would actually give the time mm. and yes, it may, I may have wasted half an hour of my time, but um, I would say literally 95% of the time I, I get a really interesting contact out of it mm, and mm. have an amazing conversation and learn something new that I didn't know before or a perspective that I wasn't aware of. Mm. And, um, yeah. and that's what I really like. I think the trap uh, that uh, older business people, I'm 52. Um, You're younger. Oh, that's right. I'm uh, not even middle-aged according to uh, <laughs> you know, these longevity scientists. But anyway. That's true. Uh, yeah. You know, there is a trap that you can either fall into the space of, look, I know enough, I don't need to know anymore, uh, which is almost sort of an arrogance. And then the other side of that is, I'm an old dog, I can't learn new tricks, which is almost like I'm giving up, right? Um, yeah. And it's interesting, you know, I'm running my champions forums, uh, uh, so many people, um, irrespective of age, you know, I had a, I was running one this morning and there was a guy there who is late 60s, former managing partner of a very large law firm, very, very successful, you know, um, mm. extremely wealthy, and yet such an appetite to learn, you know. Mm. Um, and yet you see other people who are, you know, just stuck in a rut, you know, they're just yeah. they're collecting a, po- a paycheck and just cranking out the hours, baby. And uh, it's such a sad way to live one's life. I, I agree. And, and not only that, I, I've had conversation with people where they say, I'm st- I have this problem, I'm stuck in this situation, and you present them solution um, before you could even finish your sentence. Like, no, no, I've tried that, or mm. I don't think it'll work before they even try or have a, a, a discussion yeah, over it's that, it. It's that victim orientation. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I want this, but I can't have it because circumstances outside of my control are precluding me from getting what I want. Whereas I think you are, you know, a shiny example of somebody who's a creator who says, I take responsibility. Um, you know, I have the ability to create what I want, right? And yeah. even in terms of the investment in your education, um, let alone. Uh, uh, everything else. I'd see from your LinkedIn profile that you're a contributing writer to Smallville as well, right? So <laughs> I was, yes. Right. So Andrew Griffiths, who runs Smallville, he's my other business coach. <laughs> wow. There they go. Yeah. Well, yes. Yes. No, he helped me publish my book as well yeah. on social media. So, yeah, I'm a fan of Andrew. Yeah, he's awesome. So it's amazing what a small world Australia is. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, considering we don't even we've never even met face to face you and I and yet uh, <laughs> the people we uh, we know so how long ago would you say that this idea for um uh elect came into your mind um, um it actually so I um I haven't told you this yet but um in terms of my background I've spent 20 odd years volunteering I wanted to give back and so I volunteer for an international NGO called Business and Professional Women mm-hmm. that they just have, you know, 
professional women who get together, seeing what we can do on a community level, state level, federal level, even international level on, on, um, on anything to, relevant to, to women. And um, I was, in, I, I actually, even as a volunteer, is quite aligned with the government with the work that they do in the United Nations. I was elected as the state president. I was um, asked to join the international board. Um, so I got exposure of all the work that was done trying to look around gender equality. What I found was, was that nobody, like everybody's doing really good work, but not really making huge amount of progress, not embracing technology. I've uh, presented to them saying, look, if you, if you do this, you might, you know, you'll get this res results and things like that. But I'm not talking about specifically this organization, but other organization with the work they do. Um, they're just very much stuck in, in, in old fashioned way of doing things. So come 2018, um, that's when I thought that I would really like to find a way to um, work on gender equality as a social impact, but make it as through a business, not another charity, and, and find how it can be done. And, it will, and, and I spent pretty much um, all of 2018 nurturing that uh, business model. I actually worked with, I don't know if you've heard of him, Roger Hamilton. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was part of his, I went to his workshop in Bali right. um, called Exponential Entrepreneur, I think it's called. Right. And, and that's when Elect was born out of Fantastic. that from the work. Yeah. What, what, what are you on the uh, Wealth Dynamics profile? I'm, I'm a supporter profile. Oh, I, I would have thought so. What do you <laughs> think I am? Uh, I think you're a creator. I'm a star. I'm you're a star, star of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for those who are listening, uh, who aren't familiar, this is a fantastic uh, psychometric tool. It's very, very simple where there's a, essentially, if you imagine a square and uh, at each corner and halfway along each line, there's a point. So there's eight different personality types that represent different types of energy. So Sandra and I are both fire energy. Um, uh, and then it's a great tool because you can see what you are and it also really helps you in terms of building out your team because you don't want a team of stars or a team of supporters. You want, uh, you know, people positioned around the square. So uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to it. Um, definitely worth checking out. And I mean, Roger Hamilton, uh, I know so many people who uh, have worked with him and had tremendous success. I haven't personally, but uh, I, I hear great things. Yeah, and, and just on you, I just want to reiterate, um, I, all my team have done the, that's part of the recruitment process, is okay. using it, um, and that's why I know whether they're the right fit, and it does work brilliantly, yeah. and um, and my husband, he also has done the profile, so we know how it works in a relationship, and once, he's a lord, by the way, and he's uh, all steel uh, energy, uh, 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 and my, I'm... My, my, my former <laughs> wife was a lord. <laughs> Former wife and business partner was a lord, and uh, that's to say that it's a, it's a challenging relationship as star and a lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think for me, my my support, I'm very blaze. He's still right. a lord, but the test what it did to us is made us understand each other. Yeah. Um, luckily, you know, early on in our marriage, so that um. I understand why he is the way he is and how he looks at things and it no longer, I mean, it may frustrate me still, but I don't argue about it anymore. Right. So, so a Lord is precise, dot the I's, cross the T's, 
you yes. know, uh, whereas uh, we in the blaze or fire sort of energy space, we like to just uh, take things a little more uh, loosely. Okay, yes. uh, all right. So, all right. So, <laughs> so let's, uh, you know, just um, use these sort of last minutes uh, to really understand more about your vision for elect. Uh, you said earlier you know, largely you've been building this community one by one, conversation by conversation, but I imagine it must get to a point where that's just not feasible to do that anymore, right? Yeah, definitely. So so these are, this is the, um, I guess, the, the, the initial plan of, um, and I'm being a little bit more hands-on because um, I'm approaching, I guess, the uh, lean startup or the lean canvas and, and the whole process of listening to the market, to the customers and adjusting it um, accordingly. Um, and, and the plans for, for elect is actually, um, it has the capacity and the potential to be global. We've also already got suppliers um, in there that are not just from Australia, from overseas who are interested in this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. COVID has actually created a demand because a lot of small businesses want a digital presence. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I'm already, and, and yeah, you know, the suppliers are coming from all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I can see that also on the corporate side that, um, um, that it, it corporate side can actually get onto the platform and jump on it. Um, with my marketing background, we've already got marketing strategies in place that we will want to, you know, um, scale that. Um, but certainly all the dots and all, all, all the, I guess, things are in place, all the blocks are in place. And I'm just being a little bit more hands-on to get as much feedback as I can mm -hmm. um, before we amplify it. Right. And, um, and so what's the, you know, the next step in its evolution? What's the... What's sort of the critical milestone now? Um, the, the milestone um, for for us is to actually start um, engaging the investor com community. Mm -hmm. And we've done the numbers and things like that. I mean, I can grow it organically, um, but there is um, numbers to suggest that should I, like, you know, look for funding, um, I can really ramp this up quickly. It doesn't need, it, we don't need funding, um, but it's, an, it can be, you know, a great investment opportunity, but that where that's where we are. We're in the early days of exploring that um, and wanting to make sure it's right. wanting to make sure that it's set up in the right way. I'm not being the same way. Like a lot of other tech companies saying, we want money. We need money to grow. And like can grow without investment. Um, but with investment, we can scale a lot faster. Right. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and looking into the future, then you've achieved your investment. You're starting to scale. What's the what's your five year plan? Um, well, to be exact, I think I've made it um, uh, in seven years. Um, is to IPO the right. business. Yeah. And I know. I can hear. I can hear. I can hear. Sorry. I can hear this collective. Oh no! Why is so challenging? Is you're crazy and all that sort of stuff. But I see this as a a great exit strategy for elect. Right. Okay. And at that point, it's a global. Uh, it's a truly global business. Yeah. Yes. Right. Fantastic. Yeah. And um, and so for people who are listening in, who perhaps are on the corporate acquirer side, the purchaser, are you? Yeah. Are they typically? 
you know, in the procurement team or, or what's the, the kind of person within a corporate that would typically engage with you? Um, well, surprisingly so far who's engaged with us is a range. It's, we've had somebody who's head of procurement. We've had uh, a CEO. We've also had um, one of the middle management of like the global um, company that mm-hmm. is responsible for the IT spend right. um, side of things. So it's, it's really that it's, it needs to be somebody who can, who um, not necessarily the final decision maker, because for the larger deals, um, you need to obviously get that approved through the procurement mm-hmm. process, but somebody who's willing to, who, and who has a say about um, um, exploring uh, supply diversity and bring that to the organization. Okay, great. Um, so how would people get involved? How, how can they uh, either as a supplier or as a, a purchaser uh, engage with elect now? At the moment, you just go to elect.biz. So that's E-L-L-E-C-T dot B-I-Z. And you just, on the website, you can join in as a customer. Or you can join as a supplier. Either are free. For the supplier, we do have a basic plan that they can tra- test it out and it's completely free. And um, and just sign up and we, and we can, you know, work with you from that point. And uh, is there support other than just providing the marketplace uh, to actually help these small businesses become better at marketing their products and services? Yeah, so so we have, um, um, I guess, additional membership level, but ultimately Elect is about um, highlighting these uh, businesses through our own profiles, through digital marketing, um, and we're also helping the corporate buyers who want to work with suppliers but may not want to just do it through the marketplace. They're actually looking at much bigger deal involving them in the procurement. We're also helping them with that. Okay, excellent. And, uh, and just back to your own career, I mean, as somebody who has had such a, an interesting progression uh, in and out of corporate, uh, in and out of entrepreneurial, <laughs> uh, um, what, what would you say... Uh, the qualities that you have that have enabled you to succeed in such varied environments and perhaps uh, sticking with the diversity theme, if there are younger women listening who, um, who have aspirations to, uh, you know, be the founder of a tech startup and, uh, <laughs> and uh, lead as exciting a career as you have, you know, what would, what would your advice to them be? Um, I would actually, well, I would say that it's, it's important to back yourself. It's important to have an open mind and learn, but uh, certainly important to have great mentors, have great coaches, um, and be part of a network. So I find Champions Forum, Richard, what you created is fantastic. Um, this sort of forum is, is um, a network of amazing professionals who are um, willing to part knowledge with, and that those sort of resources um, are very hard to to access, and um, and I would recommend for young professionals to tap into that as well. And there, I mean, I yesterday I spoke 
uh, on a uh, uh, panel webinar for Business Women Australia. And I know there's business chicks and uh, yes. there's obviously the, uh, the sort of not-for-profit orientated one that you're involved with. What did you say was that, that was called again? Uh, uh, business and Professional Women. Right. So uh, uh, I was thinking to myself, oh, gosh, what's, what, what is there for blokes? We're all being <laughs> wigging there for life. So I, I said to uh, somebody, well, maybe I need to start one of these groups for men. And they went, mm, I don't know, Richard. That environment, that might be a bit on the nose. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if the thing is, I, and this is my observation, um, is that I think guys are very good with supporting each other. Um, and I think that I've seen it time and time again where the, the network and the mentoring, it's so natural for, for guys. And, um, and I don't want to use the word boys club because I know there's a, der a derogatory term around it or, or an exclusive thing, but I think that generally that guys are very good at that. And, and, I've, and I find that women are not as good as that. And so these organisations help nurture that aspect to kind of cater for just for their needs that sometimes there's a lot of stuff that women don't talk about and we just keep it all inside into ourselves whether it's professional or personal and i'm not saying guys don't do that but there is a benefit in having this sort of like what we call a safe environment to allow for those who don't really um are not used to being in an in a um that you don't need to be so assertive that you actually have a voice in it and that's yes. what's it, yeah. So this is right. It's so interesting <laughs> that you say that because uh, I think most men would say the complete opposite. You know, women have great social networks and <laughs> support each other, whereas blokes are, you know, uh, the only time they kind of really talk to each other if they get pissed. And uh, <laughs> the rest of the time, we've got to be stoic and you know, be a man. And uh, I, but it's interesting. I think one of the things, and certainly talking on this forum uh, yesterday. Yeah. There are a lot of women who choose to exit corporate and run mm. small businesses because of the flexibility. Yeah. But by the time they're running their business and doing the kids and, you know, uh, dealing with, you know, such a, uh, a challenging workload and a varied workload, it doesn't leave a lot of time. Right. So I think yeah. it, I wonder whether it's that I, I wonder whether it's that women are less inclined to share and support or more that women, you know, I mean, let's be honest, right? Women work much harder than men. So uh, <laughs> I wonder if it's just uh, that uh, they don't have the space, right? Um, but uh, but certainly if there are any female uh, senior executives listening to this podcast who are interested in joining Champions Forum, uh, I would <laughs> love to have a chat to you about that. And, and certainly from what I can see of Business Women Australia and Business Chicks and so on, they, they feel a pretty... A vital role and uh, in yeah. doing some good stuff. So um, yep. take advantage of, uh, you know, what do they say? Many hands make light work, right? And and just to, yeah, just to complete like what you're saying, like yes, women are good with the social networks and things like that, but there wasn't enough women, uh, well, to find role models like historically mm. um, in the business environment. So the business environment, like the business chicks and all that, started a while ago and. and and BPW that I mentioned started 80 years ago when it was, you don't see many women in, mm. in a professional environment and, and that network was, was there to help each other how to navigate and how to manage mm. being in, in sort of that capacity. So, 
yeah, so that's where that's, that's where I come from. And and um, and about the whole thing, yes, you know, we do have so much workload, and and you know, I guess from a woman's perspective, and and the dilemma was that you're supposed to be able to manage it all. So I came from the era that you know, can we have it all? Do you need to sacrifice? And then those who try to have it all is is just you know barely surviving. Mm. by trying to have it all but it's actually it's, it's not possible you have yeah. to work as a team you know within the whole family with you know my, my husband's amazing I, I only managed to do it is because my husband we work like a team and we support each other mm. um and otherwise i wouldn't have been able to um look after my daughter and my businesses at the same time <laughs> well we might have to start a uh, sandra's marriage advice podcast uh, <laughs> I uh, <don't> know. <laughs> but uh yeah i'd love to actually have a podcast to talk about these issues because I, one of the things that i uh reflect on is that we are going to live much longer than we're used to right and so this whole idea of women um taking time out of the workforce because they've got to have kids and by the time they come back in the workforce they've been left behind and so they don't get the opportunity and that's going to completely change because if we live to be a hundred, which is very um, a high level of potentiality yeah. for our generation, yeah. Right, yeah. you'll be working until you're 80. Now, hopefully yeah. out of desire rather than necessity. So <laughs> yeah. if you took time out in your thirties to have kids and then you come back into the workforce at 40 or 45, man, you still got another 40 years of work. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, um, I think that, that will, fundamentally and completely change this sort of gender balance issue. Um, mm. uh, so there is a lot of um, emphasis on having greater diversity at board and at leadership level, not only in terms of gender, but religion and sexual orientation and, you know, ethnicity and so on. Yeah. Um, I mean, I look at my kids, you know, my son who's 13 and I can't even imagine that gender will even be raised as an issue mm. or sexuality mm. as an issue when he's in his twenties, because he and his friends are so ambivalent about it, you know, okay, straight, you know, transgender, whatever. It's just yeah. whatever, you know, uh, yeah. very different world. So uh, that's going to be quite exciting. I really appreciate your time today. Uh, I'm certainly going to uh, talk to you about jumping on uh, elect <laughs> as a supplier for recruitment services and, uh, I'd encourage anybody listening to uh, check out the website to reach out and connect with Sandra on LinkedIn uh, and um, uh, get amongst it because it sounds like there's a, a lot of opportunity there for not only small business owners but uh, for people working in corporate to, you know, have a new kind of uh, supplier relationship which will keep life, you know, really interesting and diverse. Thank you, Richard. That's, that's absolutely right. And I really enjoy being part of the show. I think we had a great chat and I'm looking forward to listening to it on the podcast myself as well. <laughs> Again. Very good. All right, Sandra, well, thanks for your time and have a fantastic afternoon. Thanks, Richard. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Arate Podcast with Richard Treeks. For show notes and other resources, please visit aratepodcast.com. While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes so you can continue your own journey towards realizing your full potential as a senior executive. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues. The Arate Podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air Podcast Network.